السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسالة شريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد When we study the seerah of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم we learn about the many expeditions the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم took part in one of those which is not as common or not one we generally hear of is a Ghazawa, an expedition called Ghazwatu Banil Mustalaq, also called Ghazwatul Muraisiyah. Both of these names have come. So the Prophet وسلم, along with the Sahaba, and this is a lengthy hadith found in Sahih al-Bukhari, where the Prophet وسلم, he went with the Sahaba on this expedition. Now, mother of the believer, Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha, she says, the Prophet وسلم, as we know, he had multiple wives. Now, he, when he would go on these journeys, he couldn't take all of them with him. So what he would do, he would draw lots. He would draw lots and see who, whichever name came out, that woman would be selected to travel with him on that particular journey. She says, on this occasion where the Prophet وسلم, decided to go for this expedition, uh, the names were put there and my, it was my turn. I was chosen, I was selected to accompany the Prophet on this particular journey. So we went for the expedition, the expedition was over. Now we were returning back to Medina Munawwara. And the women at that time, the, the way they would travel is they would travel in something called a Hawdaj. So they would have the camel. On top of the camel, there would be like a, 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 like a little kind of thing like this. And there'd be two men, men carrying the sticks at the front and two men at the back. And they would place it on top of the camel. And this is how they would travel in those days. So she would be inside this closet kind of thing and the women would travel in this way. The men would be open exposed. So she says that we were returning from the journey of this Ghazwa to Banil Mustalaq. As we were returning, we stopped at a place. When we stopped at a place, I came out. I went to answer the call of nature. People went, they freed themselves. And then it was time to go again. But what happened was when I came back, I realized what was missing? She says, my necklace was missing. She'd borrowed a necklace from her sister, Asma radiallahu anha. It was very precious. She realized her necklace was missing. So she went back to look for her necklace, tracing her steps back, thinking, where could I have dropped it? In her absence, what happens? An announcement was made, it's time to go. Aisha radiallahu anha says that I was very light. I wasn't a heavy person. So the men who came and lifted the hawdaj, they thought I was already inside. Now, due to her privacy, they didn't check and peep inside. They just thought everybody's here. She must be inside, not realizing that she's gone out again. She came back. People saw her coming back, but they didn't notice she'd gone. She went back. So they lifted up the hawdaj, placed it on the camel, and the journey continued. Aisha radiallahu anha, she says, when I came back to this place, I saw that everybody had gone. She wasn't scared or frightened. Strong woman. So she came back and she saw everybody had gone. 
And I looked around for a while, didn't notice anybody. So there was a tree close by. I went and I sat by the tree and she says in her own words, I fell asleep. I fell asleep because I knew that they'll realize and then when they realize they'll come back and get me. Somebody will come back and get me. So she wasn't very worried. So she says, I went to sleep by the tree. Then the Prophet wasallam he had a habit. Whenever he would travel in this way, behind the army at a distance, he would always keep someone behind. In case any, there's any stragglers, any property that gets left behind, anybody is lost, there's any danger, they would all, he will always keep somebody at a distance behind who follows the army, who follows the expedition. And in this case, the same thing happened. The Prophet ﷺ had appointed a Sahabi by the name of Safwan bin Mu'attal and he was kept behind. So Aisha radiallahu says, I was sleeping. And she says, the only thing that woke me up was the sound of somebody saying, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. I heard this voice and I, I woke up and I looked and he was Safwan bin Mu'attal, the man who the Prophet sallallahu would keep behind in the expedition just in case there was any lost property or lost people or any help anyone needed. And the only reason he recognized me is because he had seen me before the revelation came regarding covering of the faces. That's how he recognized me. Otherwise, he wouldn't have known who I was. But because he'd seen my face before, before Allah revealed the verses regarding women covering their faces, he had seen me before. She's saying this herself in Sahih al-Bukhari. She says, he did not say a word to me. He bought his camel, he made the camel sit down and he moved away to a side. She says, I got onto the camel. From there all the way to Medina Munawwara, he didn't speak to me. He didn't look at me. He carried on walking. I rode on the camel and like this, we entered into Medina Munawwara. And then I joined up with the Prophet Now, as I was entering Medina Munawwara, I'm on the camel. There's this man who's taking me in front. We've not had any conversation whatsoever, but there was the leader of the hypocrites, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul. He saw this and he thought, right, this is a good opportunity. And he made up a slander. He made up a slander. And he said, it can't be possible that these two people have been seen together. Something must be going on. Because they were together, something's gone on. And he started this. And he said, and he was the leader of the hypocrites. He said, these two, something's gone on between these two. And it's serious. And he started spreading this in Medina Munawar. Telling everybody, going house to house, house to house, house to house, person to person, going to everybody. There's something going on between these two, something going on between these two, something going on between these two. Now Aisha radiallahu anha, she didn't know anything about it. And this is what normally happens. The people involved, they, they don't know. So she, did, she says, I, I didn't know anything about this. And this carried on for one whole month. In the whole of Medina, everybody's talking about this one topic. The Aisha, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah. Aisha, na'udhu billah. Something happened between Aisha and Safwan bin Mu'attal. And the rest is your own imagination. That's what happens. Nobody really knows anything. Nobody's seen anything. It's just what we start imagining and adding two and two together and making ten out of it. Which I'm not the judge or the jury the executioner and we want to become all of them in one go so this is what happens so this for whole month she says for one whole month this is what everybody's talking about 
And she says, I didn't have a clue. She says, I became a bit unwell. And during those days, she says, I did notice that the Prophet ﷺ wasn't the same as he was towards me. He used to have a very nice uh, uh, approach to Aisha and everybody else. But I could sense there was some, but I didn't think even for one moment, it's to do with this. So she says, in those days, we never had the toilets were not built in the houses or next to the houses. The toilets were far away. These two are place, and the women used to have a normal habit. They would go at night time. So when it's dark and it's night, a group of women would get together and they would go to the toilet. In those days, that was the system. So she says, I went with a lady called Ummu Mistah and went to answer the call of nature. So we went there, we took turns. She went, I went. As we were coming back, this lady who's with me, elderly lady, she was with me. We went together. She tripped up. So as she's walking, she tripped. And as she tripped, she said, Ta'isa Mista, cursed be my son Mista, cursed be my son Mista. So Aisha says, oh sister, don't say that about your son. Your son is a participant of the battle of Badr. He's a good person. You shouldn't curse your son like that. Don't say like that. So she said it again, Ta'isa Mista, cursed be my son Mista. And Aisha said, don't say this. It's not good. Don't curse him. So she said, haven't you heard what he's been saying? He's been amongst the people saying these things as well. Spreading this rumor, going to everybody and saying these things about you. She says, what, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't have a clue. I don't know anything. Haven't you heard? No. What are people saying? So Ummu Mista, after one whole month, she realizes that the whole of Medina, everybody is talking about this. That something's gone on between you and Safwan bin Mu'addal, implying, implying zina. People don't say the word, but that's what they're trying to say. It's a slander. Aisha radiallahu anha, like any human being, had feelings. It says that hearing this, she developed a fever so severe that she became unconscious. She became unconscious and she fell down. She says, I, I, I fainted. I couldn't take it, but whoa, people are speaking like this about me in the whole of Medina, and I don't even know that one whole month had gone by. She says, when I began consciousness, I came back. When I got home, I became ill. I wasn't talking to the Prophet wasallam. He wasn't really talking to me as much as he would before. I could sense there was something there. So then I said to the Prophet of Allah, Oh Prophet of Allah, um, I want to go and stay at my parents. Can I go? She said, yeah, of course, go. You can go and stay. If you're not well, go and stay at your parents' house. So she says, I came to my parents' house. And I went to my mother. Mother, do you know about this? She says, yes. Really? Like, it's been a whole month and you know about this? Does the Prophet also know about this? Yes, he does know about it. Does my dad know about this? Abu Bakr know about this? Yes, he knows about it as well. So the mother of Aisha says, look, don't worry. Whenever a woman is involved and gets married to a man who's a good person, people normally get jealous. Other ladies get jealous. This is what he said. This is what the mother of Aisha said. Women get jealous and then they, they make stories like this. So don't worry about it. It's nothing to worry about. But that didn't calm her down because the reality was everybody was talking about it. And she became more and more ill. She says for three days, for three days, I couldn't sleep. I don't think we realize how serious slander is when we attack somebody's dignity and honor and how many people's lives are impacted where we go about our normal day passing comments left, right and center, not thinking twice 
about the defamation and the impact it has on so many people's lives. Imagine how those people, and she says, for three days I couldn't sleep. And all I did, my, my tears were just flowing. I was just crying and crying and crying for three days. How can somebody make up something so serious like this about me? Like if, if, if something does happen, I mean, nobody should, somebody should come and ask, it's about me. So somebody should come to me and ask me first. But I don't even know about it. And it's been a whole month and everybody's talking about it. So she says, for three days I cried and I couldn't sleep, not even for a moment. And then I was in my house and the Prophet ﷺ, after three days, he came to our house. My mother was there. My father was there. Abu Bakr was there. The Prophet ﷺ was there. The Prophet ﷺ addressed me. And this is Aisha. I'm sure you've heard by now what people are saying. You've heard by now what people are saying in regards to you. If it's not true, if it's not true, then Allah is going to resolve you. Don't worry about it. Allah will reveal something or Allah will help you. But Aisha, just, I'm just saying, if it's true, make tawbah, make istighfar. Ask Allah to forgive you and Allah will forgive you. He didn't go crazy about it. It's just as a matter of fact, he just put it there. Look, if it's not true, Aisha, don't worry. Allah will protect you. Allah knows. And if it's true, just make tawbah, istighfar. It's a mistake. Human beings make mistakes and Allah will forgive you. Aisha radiallahu anha couldn't believe what she's hearing. Number one, she's totally innocent. Number two, she couldn't understand that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is being very neutral here. Right? So Aisha radiallahu anha, she, she looks to her dad and says, Dad, say something. Respond to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Abu Bakr radiallahu remained silent. Mom, you say something. And the mother remained silent because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is there. Aisha radiallahu anha, she says that if I was to say that I didn't do it, you're probably not going to believe me. She says this. If I said that I didn't do it, you probably won't believe me. If I say that I did do it, you will believe me. And this has become the nature of human beings. The Prophet ﷺ used to make a dua. We need this dua today more than ever before. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min sahibi khadi'atin. In ra'a hasanatan dafanaha. Wa in ra'a sayyi'atan afshaha. Oh Allah, I seek your refuge and protection from a treacherous friend, a treacherous team member, a treacherous neighbor, a treacherous brother. Why? What do, what, why? Because whenever he sees some me doing something good, he buries it. Doesn't tell anybody. If somebody wants to see, oh Allah, protect me from such a companion who sees when they see good in me, they bury it. And if they see something bad, they spread it. The Prophet taught us this dua. We need this. Okay? Because this, is, this has become a habit. We don't want to climb up ourselves. And if somebody's climbing up, we want to pull them down pull them down and this is what's happening so Aisha radiallahu anha she says that oh prophet of Allah and addressed her mother and father if I said I didn't do it you won't believe me if I said I did do it you're probably gonna believe me so I'm going to say she says I was so stressed out at the time I even forgot the name 
of the person in the Quran. She was referring to Yaqub alayhi salam. She says, I'm going to say what the father of Yusuf said. Fasabrun jameel. Fasabrun jameel. Wallahu al-musta'anu ala ma tasifun. I'm going to be patient. And I have trust in Allah. Allah is going to protect me. I don't care what people say. Allah is going to protect me. We were just about having this discussion. And I was really sad and distressed. And all of a sudden we noticed that the Prophet وسلم, whilst he's sitting there, the same thing started happening to him when he received revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Jibreel had descended and the verses of the Quran started coming upon him. And one of the signs were on a cold day, like today's been a bit cold, on a cold day, he'd start sweating and perspiration would appear. Perspiration appeared upon him. And the Prophet ﷺ is receiving this revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah started revealing verses regarding the honor of Aisha in the Quran. Aisha says, I, did not, I thought that the Prophet ﷺ will see a dream or something. Allah will show him a dream regarding my innocence. I wasn't aware. Allah is going to reveal verses in the Quran regarding my innocence that will continue to be recited until the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed at that time in that house, in that same gathering and majlis. That group of people amongst you who started off this slander. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't worry for you. You might think it's something bad that's happened. But as a result of it, it's better. Look, in so many ways, it's good. It's a blessing in disguise because your honor is even increased even more. People will know your honor even more now. People tried to stand you, but Allah protected you. Your honor will become even greater. And then, Whoever took a part, depending on how much involvement you had, that is the consequence you will pay. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul started it off. He's going to burn forever in the hellfire. There were some Sahaba, simple-minded Sahaba who were good people, good people. However, they got involved as well. And this is what generally happens. You know what I'm saying? Well, everyone's talking about it. Even some good people are saying it as well. That happened here as well. And that's so easy for us to get tied in when you hear and when you see it and you hear it from decent people. There were three individuals who were pious people. One was Hassan ibn Thabit. The poet of the Prophet ﷺ, he got involved. A great Sahabi, he loved the Prophet ﷺ, but this is what happens in a community when everyone's talking about something, you kind of get involved. He got swept into it. Similarly, you had Mistah, the man I spoke about earlier. And the third one is a sister-in-law of the Prophet ﷺ, Hamna bintu Jash, again, a great woman. But she heard this rumor, and she started spreading it as well and telling people, have you heard? Have you heard? Just going, have you heard? Do you know what happened? Guess what's happening? Guess what them two are up to? Have you, haven't you heard? Don't you know? Just saying that is the initiation. And the Quran says very, very clearly that why is it when you hear such information, you were supposed to have thought of a good excuse for your brother, a good excuse for your sister. And you should have said, this is a big lie. I don't believe it because I haven't heard two sides of the story. How could you believe one sided story? Most of the problems that are occurring today in the world is by listening to only one side of the story. Imagine someone speaking about you, right? Someone's going around and telling you things about you. 
right? Someone's going around saying stuff about you. And they're going to everybody, but they've never spoken to you about it. You have no knowledge. How would you feel? Imagine, you know, whenever anything like this happens, put yourself in that situation. Imagine that was you. How would you feel? How would you spend your day? How would you spend your night? So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, These people who made this slander, why did not bring four witnesses? Four witnesses. You have to, if you want to bring up a claim regarding somebody that between A and B, something is going on. Quran asks you to bring four witnesses who actually saw zina taking place. Zina. We're not talking about talking or flirting. That's between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are not the judge. You are not the jury. You are not the executioner. You miss Fajr this morning. That is much greater of a crime. Nobody's coming after you because that's between you and Allah. You're backbiting all day long. Al-ghibatu ashaddu min zina the hadith says. Backbiting is more severe than zina. Why is it that certain things we highlight and we think it's such a big deal? Look out. Min husnil Islam. The beauty of your Islam is mind your own business when it comes to people's personal lives. Because when you go on a witch hunt behind somebody, Allah will expose you as well. Whoever hides the faults of the believers, Allah will hide them on the day of judgment. Whoever exposes, Allah will expose you in this world. He'll degrade you in this world and degrade you in the hereafter as well. If ever anybody wants to say anything about another person, and it comes to this particular topic of having an affair, extramarital affair, having zina. You must provide four witnesses who saw zina taking place with their own eyes. And the Quran says, the Quran says that if you cannot do this, you are a liar in the sight of Allah. You cannot prove it. You are a liar and this is serious. Quran is saying. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When some kind of news like this comes to you, Allah says, you should say, I'm not going to get involved in this. Why? Say, subhanaka hadha buhtanun azim. If you cannot give four witnesses, then this is a huge slander. يَعِذُكُمُ اللَّهُ أَن تَعُودُوا لِمِثْلِهِ أَبَدًا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Allah says, I warn you, never ever get involved in anything like this ever again if you are true believers. So do you know what happened? Do you know sometimes we say, oh, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. This is why I should talk about it as well. Well, what happens here is because everybody got involved, these three Sahaba who are great people, they got involved as well. What happened as a result? Aisha radiallahu anha was innocent. But the three people who got involved, they were lashed. Because Quran says, if you make a slander regarding another person, and you can't bring four witnesses who saw it with their own eyes, you will be lashed 80 times. This is how serious it is. 80 times you will be lashed for opening your mouth regarding somebody else's dignity without four witnesses. I think we take it very lightly today. We go on YouTube, go online. That's what everybody is doing, just bashing people, attacking people's dignity. Dignity is from Allah. Allah gives dignity. If you try and snatch somebody's dignity, Allah will destroy your dignity. And the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear. There are certain people 
certain people, the Quran says, the hadith says, they will never enter paradise. One category is La Yadukhulul Jannata Qattat. A person who goes around doing gossip to destroy someone's reputation will never enter paradise. This is a hadith. La Yadukhulul Jannata Qattat. La Yadukhulul Jannata Namam. Whoever goes from person to person telling them about somebody else's problems, La hadith is very clear. This person will never enter paradise. And we take it so lightly. We take it so lightly when it's about other people's honor. The Prophet ﷺ on Hajjatul Wada, he said, Where are we? The people say, We're in Makkah. What month is it? Dhul Hijjah. What day is it? Jummah. He says, Just like you find this day to be holy, this place to be holy, this month to be holy, the honor and the dignity of every Muslim is holy. It's sacred in the sight of Allah. It is haram to attack the dignity and the honor of any Muslim. The dignity of a Muslim is much more than the Kaaba. And if you want to really attack somebody's honor, you must have four witnesses who actually saw this happening with their own eyes. Now, in conclusion, I'm going to mention something. The Quran mentions in Surah An-Nur, if zina takes place between a man and a woman, the Quran actually mentions that they will be lashed 100 times. We all know about this. But we also know that for that to take place, you need four witnesses. Not four witnesses or people who say, oh, I saw them holding hands. No. I saw them kissing. No. I saw them, you know, go going in the same car. No. They have to have seen the actual act of zina taking place. Now you tell me, is that possible? Would anyone in the right mind do this? How would it be possible? You tell me. How would it be possible for four people, not one, for four people to actually see and witness a man and a woman committing zina? When would it be possible? You tell me. In, in which scenario would it be possible? Hmm? You can't even think of one, can you? The only way if it would be it would be possible if it's done in public. Yes, we have laws like this. Quran was laying down laws at that time. Many people look at this and say Islam barbaric. Or it says you have to lash them. No, this is we know even today in the UK, in the US, even in places where zina is widespread, a public act of indecency is punishable by law. You cannot commit acts of indecency that that damage public society on a community level. So if somebody was to do something like this in public today, they would get arrested. It wouldn't be allowed. So Quran was laying down the law to protect the community. That somebody, nobody was doing this in public. What people do privately, that's between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Quran is not saying if somebody's having zina in their home, go and check it out and find out what they do. No, that's up to them. That's between them and Allah. Just like you miss your salah every single day and you don't care about it even once. They're committing a sin, right? That's between them and Allah. When will we take action? If, for example, it's happening in a way, it's damaging public. Children are being exposed to this. You don't know who's going to walk past. Quran says if publicly somebody does it and four people are, if four people can see it, that means any man, any woman, anyone passing by will be able to see it. That man and that woman will be lashed a hundred times. And even the lashing, it's not what we think of it as lashing. 
um, the, the person lashing should not have their armpit exposed, meaning like, it shouldn't be someone, you know, we, when we think of lashing, we think of like the most cruel person, no. It should be someone who's sane, someone who's, who, who, who's got an understanding. It, sh it shouldn't be hitting the same place again and again. The face should be avoided. There are so many rules and regulations there. However, that was in regards to zina. However, after this, the Quran then speaks about another crime. And the same thing happens because this crime damages public reputation. It damages public. It damages, it's, it's something which on a, on a public level, we can see that it destroys the dignity of a family, the dignity of an individual. It causes corruption within the community. This is why this next sin is also punishable. May not be 100 lashes, but the Quran says 80 lashes, not much of a difference. Who should get 80 lashes? Quran says, the Quran says, look at the words of the Quran. Those people, Yarmuna means to throw. It doesn't say those people who say so and so committed zina. No. Quran says, Those people who throw things, who throw things out there. They just mention these comments towards muhsanat. Muhsanat meaning a woman who's a family woman. She's a family woman. Or could be a family man. Those people who just throw things out there. Have you heard? Do you know something's going on? Have you heard about this? You're not saying it clearly, but you're implying. Quran is saying, Those people who are throwing comments out there into the public, you're going from person to person and you're saying this. And then Quran says, Then you cannot bring forward four witnesses. Four witnesses who saw the act of zina taking place. The Quran says in this scenario, the person who came out with this comment will get 80 lashes. 80 lashes. Why? Because you are not allowed in Islam to slander somebody in this way without bringing four witnesses who actually saw the zina taking place. And then Quran goes a step further. These individuals, what they have done is so serious. Quran says, Those people who go around slandering people, never believe a word they say. Never accept their test. They are liars. The Prophet says, Those people who pass on all the information they hear from one person to another, it's enough to call them a liar. Why? Because they've never verified it. They never went to the second person and double checked. Is this true what people are saying? I've heard it from one source. This is, our problem is this, we hear something, right? And we, and we get really excited about it. It's, like, it's almost we're looking for bad things. We want to hear bad things about people. We don't have a good heart. It shows that our heart is corrupt. You don't want to hear good things about people. If you hear something good, it kind of makes us uneasy. Like how often do we hear something good? And we, let, me, let me go and tell everybody. So-and-so has got a promotion at work. We don't do that. We hide it. We bury it. We don't want anyone to know. And even if someone does, ah, maybe they just fluked it or something. Or maybe someone wasn't available, so they just gave it to him, right? Oh, like maybe they don't know really what she's really like. That's why they did it. But as soon as we hear anything bad about someone, whether it's true or not, we start getting excited. We can't wait to tell someone, oh, we're gonna guess what? I'm gonna tell you, don't tell anyone, yeah? Don't tell it. This is how we start off. Don't tell anyone about this, right? I'm not really sure, right? But there's something going on between so and so and so and so. But don't tell anyone, yeah? That means like, go and tell everybody. Because I've just done that. I was told by somebody else, don't tell anybody. 
right? And I've just done exactly the same thing. And that's what, and what happens is this starts getting worse and worse and worse. And it starts damaging the community. It starts having an impact on individual lives, on the lives of children, on the lives of men, on the lives of women. And it's like a poison that spreads. This is why this act of slandering is punishable. It's a punishable act where 80 lashes will be given to this individual. Why? For not being able to provide four witnesses. And then the Quran says, Allah didn't even say this about the people who did zina. But the people who did slander Quran says, These are the real corrupt people. The real corrupt people are the ones who are sowing these seeds of corruption in the community, going from door to door and telling people things that they have no substantial proof for witnesses who saw it happening. If you can't, shut your mouth. That's what Quran is saying. Because you don't have a right. You also have a life. You expose other people, Allah will expose you. You hide other people, Allah will cover your sins. And if, if this is true, imagine it's true. Imagine we have the four, even then it's not the right way to go about it. You, if you're really sincere, you go to the people involved. You speak to them, you discuss with them, and you go there to help them. If somebody falls into a sin, you don't make a joke about it. You don't taunt them, you don't criticize them. That's not the way. The way the Sharia has told us is you go there secretly. You don't do it publicly. You go to them secretly. Do you need any help? There must be a reason why this happened, why you fell into this. So this is what we conclude on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives dignity. Allah is the giver of dignity. We are not allowed to snatch anyone's dignity. That Allah has given their dignity. If we go chasing people's dignity, Allah will chase your dignity as well. The Allah that gives, He can also take as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to always think before we speak. Allow us to mind our own business when it comes to personal affairs. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to focus on our own problems, our own faults, our own shortcomings, before we start prying into the lives of other people. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillah.